This is The Universe, Episode 9, A New Era, on Sunday, May 20th, 2012. And now, with a pop scientist near you. How's it going there, Sam? Pretty good, how are you? Oh, pretty good. It's uh, It's been quite a while here since we did a show. Yeah, it has been too long. So, I believe school has ended now, for just about everyone. Yeah. How was, uh, how, how were finals? Pretty good. Feels very, very, I don't know. Like a weight has been lifted to no longer have to go to school. Definitely. But now I find myself, right right before finals, you know, I, I was really busy. I was working every day, and during finals I was working every day, and I was studying for stuff, and now I'm just like, oh, what do I do with my time? Well, I think you've been up to a couple of things, haven't you? I think so. What are those Fair things again? Mention the relevant ones. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure which ones the relevant are. Well, the, the website. Oh, the website. Well, of course, um... As we mentioned previously in our second quarter review, we are working on the revised and reimagined website, uh, which essentially looks the same. Just It just looks better. And uh, you've been helping out with it a little bit. I gave my two cents. Yep. <laughs> or half cent, whatever. Eh, we'll go with two cents. A um, couple pence. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's coming together pretty well. Uh, I was just looking at some stuff about uh, changing some titles around, but yeah, I think we'll be launching this in a week or two. Sweet. Uh, okay. And, uh, and what, what have you been doing since you got off last week? Well, hanging out, playing video games. I heard um, I heard Diablo came out. I think you were playing that a little bit. Yeah, I played some Diablo 3. Pretty fun. Um, it's kind of frustrating. Like, first day, I tried to play, and like the servers were down. But it's like it's a single player game, so I think Blizzard kind of messed up with the whole like Derm out thing. online single player play to do the DRM. Right. I think that was a mistake. A lot of people were pissed, especially their servers weren't like working the first day, and you can't like on an actual launch day that shouldn't happen. Definitely not. And you saw from our Guild Wars time that Guild Wars somehow managed to figure it out, and I think Blizzard and makes. It's still in beta. I mean, I. Th- I- well, and it's still in beta, right? Well, and, you know, I think Blizzard makes WoW, too, right? Right, so they should know about servers. They really should know about servers, load balancing, and all of that uh, hard, difficult stuff. And it's funny that they somehow don't. Uh, so, I think, uh, yesterday, we um, went on a failed failed adventure. Oh, we, yeah, been doing some adventures. That was, that was the second adventure this week. But we did go to the source, and that was pretty fun. Mm, yeah. So the, so the source is a local comic book and, like, I don't know, classical game kind of store. Uh, so they sell magic cards and they sell comics and they sell fantasy and science fiction books. And they have, like, a little area for people to play games in the store. It's pretty nice. And mm-hmm. they're open light. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they just got a new building so they have new hours, which is excellent. So what did you find there when you, when you went there, Sam? Well, uh... It brought up the subject of Dungeons and Dragons, hmm. so it turns out that turns me out. and Matt want to start a little Nexus Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Well, that sounds good. Looking forward to because I haven't had a chance to play really recently. So, well, we can uh, we can stream that on Google Plus Live for everybody's massive entertainment. Speaking of uh, people streaming that or watching that, I feel like Ian Buck might possibly even want to play. Oh yeah. We might our players. Yeah, so, definitely. Since we know he listens. Yes. <laughs> contact us, Ian. Yeah, we can we You're can back. get we can get you in on the uh the dungeon action, I guess. 
I, I will just be the broadcaster and the narrator. I won't be actually playing. That's too much work. <laughs> Shouldn't actually actually play that's, a game to play a game. That's what you say now. Well, uh, so last week or two weeks ago, some number of days ago, I was playing a game called Journey. And mm. um, this game has like one of the highest rankings on the PlayStation Network and one of the highest reviews among like the conglomerate of like gaming review sites. And it's essentially you start off as a character in a desert and you only know that you're supposed to walk toward this very tall and bright mountain with a light on top of it. Mm-hmm. And so I played that and it was really good. So that, that that was my gaming adventure for the Wait, recent... you have a PS3, right? Yes, I do. Next time I come to your house, I want to play that. Okay, it was really good. You, you'll like it. Because, and, and you know yeah. what's shocking? You can actually play it in like, I don't know, two hours, three hours. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean you can't like... It just seems relaxing. You know, it is extremely relaxing, actually. Um, I got it during the week of my last week of finals, actually, and it, it let me relax. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the weird things with it, of course, is you know the PS3 can actually output uh, 1080p, and I had the TV set up to output 1080p, but the game unfortunately was only 720p, so I had to uh, resize the screen a little bit. But otherwise, it wasn't a big deal. Hmm, that's weird. Well, I, I suppose that's okay since I don't really need high definition sand. Yeah, probably adds to the authenticity, makes it more grainy. Right, right, makes it more grainy. So, um, speaking of recent things, big news this morning. Huge news. Very huge. Um, so huge, nobody first, heard about it. <laughs> yeah, well, probably. Yeah. Um, so the first commercial slash, not really commercial, the first private spacecraft to take off and attempt to visit the ISS, International Space Station, was supposed to launch today. And, well, May 19th, since this might not go up tonight. Well, it won't, because tonight's only 15 minutes long. Yeah. Um, so May 19th, um, and the launch was canceled uh, just before the launch, um, and it was canceled by uh, the flight computer, which actually I think is impressive that the... A computer actually worked? Right. And Wait, so are you telling me it wasn't, one, it wasn't running Windows? <laughs> well, that, that says a lot. Yeah. So it detected uh, slightly high combustion chamber pressure, mm-hmm. so... I believe, assuming, in, I believe in engine number five on the rocket. Right. So I, I assume that means higher than not only normal, but also higher than the other engines, which right. is obviously not good. Yeah. Um, so they haven't released anything besides just saying that that's what happened and they're reviewing the data. Um, so I believe that the backup launch is in three days. Well, that's pretty reasonable. That's a pretty quick turnaround. Well, assuming they give, get everything running by then, I think the backup was May 22nd. Okay. Um, so, looking forward to that. Hopefully I will be awake at that point. to. Well, launch. see, I hadn't known about this until earlier this morning, and I had slept through the initial launch, but, of course, you know, I was inundated with a flood of news from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny that they want to... Do, do you know what the payload on the, um, on the I don't know, rocket was? Um... I do not. Well, apparently, it turns out that the payload on the rocket were ashes of famous people. Specifically, one of them was some guy from some Star Trek or something. Really? Yeah. Where do you see that? Well, I was watching the news earlier today, um, and they they were covering the story, and they said that the rocket contained, like, ashes of people. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of a, I don't know, weird 
for anybody involved in space stuff, what's what, what's better than being buried, so to say, in space? So they can like eject them up there. Uh, yep. Sweet. Oh, so here I, I'll put a link to the show notes for you. Uh, uh up on the top there. Here, there you go. Cremated ashes. Uh, cremated ashes. Oh my gosh! It's playing a video at CBS News or ABC News. Oh, all day today I've been going to these news sites looking for stuff, and every time I go to a news site, it plays a video. Yeah. Oh. Should be illegal. Really needs to be. Um. Uh, what celebrity was it? Well, a bunch of people. I don't know who they are. Uh, but it's kind of interesting that they're just, you know, ejecting ashes out into space. I wonder which way they're pointing. I hope they don't like, just fall back to Earth. That wouldn't be very fun. Well, this is uh, more news, very recent. You just mentioned that last night we were at the source. Um, and it occurred to me that a while ago we had talked about doing a book review section on this podcast. Yep. Uh, doing like a science fiction or fantasy or whatever. And so last night at the source, I decided to look for a book to do that about. Um, and after much deliberating and asking of people that work at the source for suggestions, I finally just pulled a book off the shelf. Um, and read and, the back of it, and it turned out to actually be interesting. Right. Isn't that the so, weirdest thing? We are hopefully. My book is arriving Monday. Mine is uh, arriving right now, tentatively on Tuesday. Probably because uh, I ordered later than you did. Yeah. Uh, so that means probably in two weeks. Yeah. The show after next, we will do, or we could do a separate show. Not sure yet. Yeah. Well, we, um, we, we could talk about it, you know, each week until we get done with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's also an option. Yeah. Um, but I definitely want to do like a full segment once we finish the book. So are you going to announce what book it is? Yeah, I was getting that part. <laughs> so this book is Retribution Falls by Chris Wooding. Um, and I was under the impression... That Sweden wasn't a country? Well, I was under the impression that it was a, a one-shot book and not part of a series. Turns out that it's part of a series. Yeah. But... What? But okay. what's better about it, that it, the picking this series in, in general, though, is that all three books in this series are already released. So mm-hmm. that if we didn't want to continue, it wouldn't be hard just to, you know, walk up to our nearest Amazon and buy it. Right. Yeah. So um, this book, we don't know much about it. Um, I, I'll read the description real quick, I suppose. Or I'll, I'll summarize yeah, the description. Yeah, sum, summarize right. the description. Um, so it's about a it's sort of a steampunk setting. Uh and uh, I, it follows the story of uh, a group of uh, pirates, essentially, in this ste- sort of steampunk airship-type uh, ship um, that sort of uh, are running from the law, which also fly around in steampunk airship things. Right. Uh, and it looks like there's also a bit of magic um, or pseudo-magic. I can't really tell from the, the description. Um, and so the captain is framed and stories ensue. So we'll see how it is. Yeah, sounds good. There's something called a daemon in this book. It, I don't know what that, what that is, but... It's the pseudo-magic from... Yeah, it sounds sounds interesting. But, yeah. I remember reading something about a golem, too, on the back of the book, but I don't actually see that in the description. Or I could just be blind. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it says... It. Pirates, skyships, and golems are just the trappings for a far-flung adventure of stunning imagination and brilliant craftsmanship. Well, there you Isn't go. It? 
I'm not totally insane. Another author. Another author. So you can read this book along with us for the low, low price of twelve ninety seven on Amazon with Prime, or you can get it on the lame Kindle edition for eleven ninety nine and just not be able to right. give it away. Save a dollar. <laughs> oh, it's lame. Well, I mean, you would be saving more if you didn't have Prime, but I don't know. Uh, also, you can read, I believe, the first chapter, which actually turns out to be the first two chapters and a tiny fragment of the third chapter for free with uh, your Kindle or iPhone or iPad or... Whatever you have. Mm-hmm. You might want so, to do that. don't start reading um, until I get my book. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got other things to read, like that one other book I have. What is that called? Game of Thrones, that's what it's called. Are you actually going to read it? I, I try to read a little bit every day. It's a hard book to read because there's like it's 80 so characters. It's so good. But I, there's the 80 characters. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's hard to stop reading, I think, is a better description. But So, speaking of books... Might as well do our little book segment. Why don't, we do, why don't, why don't we do our book segment? Yeah. So, over the years, I've been reading books. I mean, imagine that. And right. one of the things that I do is I find, you know, a book that's good, and then it turns out that it's a series, and then it turns out that it's not all done yet. So, well, yeah. uh, you know, that happens a lot. So, last summer, I think, I was reading a book by James S.A. Corey called Leviathan Wakes. And this is called, this is part of the Expanse series. And essentially what happens is that the ship is like a bodyguard kind of thing for another ship. Something causes the ship that these people are bodyguarding to explode. Turns out there's something in the ship, kind of like a virus kind of like thing. Turns out to be a rogue alien molecule. And then terrible things happen in the solar system. And I believe, according to my Amazon, that the next book, Caliban's War, is coming out on soon. June 26th? Yeah. Yeah. Then. Yes. June 26th. So just a few weeks from now, actually. Pretty good deal. Uh, I don't know. I don't know like what the continuity is from the first book to the second book, but Mm -hmm. it it should be pretty good. The writing was really good. Now, I didn't actually read it. I actually listened to it on Audible, but you know, whatever. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so that was a good one. My turn. I'm gonna insert mine that I have not put in the show notes, but I suppose I could. Yeah. Put it in the show notes. <clears throat> so right now I'm reading um, a book, and I I end up reading more high fantasy really than science fiction. Um. So, yeah. But so this this book is, uh, Elminster Ascending, and I will attempt to bring up the Amazon page for it. Um, but it's it's in the Forgotten Realms setting, uh, and it's one of my favorite sort of high fantasy settings um, and the, by one of my favorite authors, Ed Greenwood. So if you haven't read anything by Ed Greenwood... I have not. You should. Um, and this, I think, is one of the recent books. It came out... Oh, so okay. So this is last year's book. This year's is Barry Elminster Deep. So that came out about a year ago. I think that's the most recent one. So I'll have to pick up that one once I'm done. Um, and uh, it's very good so far. I've only read the first chapter, but it's really good. That's good. So, um, as as have all the other Ed Greenwood books I've read. So if anybody hasn't read Ed Greenwood and you like high fantasy, pick one up. So another book that I found out that is coming out in July from Amazon <laughs> is called Energized. And I thought it was pretty interesting because... The premise is a simple kind of, you know, future world uh, catastrophe. So somebody launches a nuclear bomb on most of the Middle East 
which causes all of the oil fields to be extremely radioactive. And then Russia is essentially the, the world's last remaining oil superpower, because apparently they have a lot of oil there. But then the weird stuff starts to happen, and Phoebe, some moon. Do you know what uh, planet Phoebe comes from? See, I don't, I don't know moons. Phoebe and... Uh, wait, hold on. Well, I, I want to say the wrong thing. Okay, well, so what Mar- American genius thought it would be cool to capture Phoebe in orbit. So uh, yeah. satellites and other resources are, you know, shown onto the moon and, you know, they're trying to research it and stuff. And there's a lot of interesting things going to happen with the moon. And I don't know if this is going to be part of a series or not. Uh, it, right now it just says it's just a standalone book, but it sounds pretty interesting. Uh, so I'll be looking forward to that in July. Uh, there's another book that is uh, coming out soon, I think, also. This one's coming out in Ju- the early June, first week of June, actually. This one's called Red Shirts. It's um, by John Scalzi. I, he's written a lot of stuff, but I don't know which, what they are. I think he wrote, um, like, The God Engine or something. Um, but this book is kind of more of a comedy or maybe even a parody on, like, it's kind of like Star Trek, I guess. Uh, it, it, I, I don't know anything too much about it, but it sounds like a good book to read. Uh, yeah, um the the red shirts right yeah or red shirts yeah and so i think the the idea comes from the red shirts always die in star trek right so so one of the things yeah the the description is like uh this i don't know like low low tiered officer on this ship uh has been noticing that on this particular ship ship called the intrepid that pretty much all of the low ranking members just die off all the time so He's one of the lower-ranking members, and he doesn't like it, so he's going to do something about it. Or try to. So there's a lot of reading coming up this summer. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I get my next Audible credit, I'll be listening to The Vortex. I think I mentioned Spin a few episodes ago. Uh, Spin was pretty good. Hmm. I... Is that the one where, like, Earth is cloaked in, like, yep. some sort of field? That's okay, right. Yeah, I, I somewhat remember that. So, uh... Want to talk about some news? Um, one last book mention. So, just the next another book that I will be reading that comes out this summer. I figured I'd mention. So, comes out August seventh. Uh, third book in the Neverwinter saga, which is also based in the same universe as that as the Elminster books I was talking about, and it's mm-hmm. by my other favorite author, R. A. Selva. I still I don't know how to say his last name, which is kind of sad because I've read like every one of his books. Um, Salvatore, Salvatore. I think it might be Salvatore. Um, it was called Sharon's Claw. Link is in the show notes. I don't know if it'll be on the website show notes, but um, really, good. I've read the first two in the series. They're really good, so I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, yeah. Now, time for other things. Sounds good. So, first other thing is Moore's Law and Michio Kaku talking about Moore's Law. And what, what what does he have to say about Moore's Law? Well, for a second there, I thought the video was going to start playing. <laughs> oh. It's YouTube in bed. I think. That's better. Uh, so he is talking about Moore's Law, which, as we have previously mentioned on this show, is the proposition that uh, chip performance or transistor size, you can look at it either way, transistor size halves the number of transistors in a certain square space, uh, doubles or chip performance doubles, whatever way you want to look at it, um, every 18 months. So that would be like an exponential scale 
increase in computer processing power, essentially. Right. Um, which has been fairly accurate uh, through the years. Um, and but if you if you think about that for a second, you would probably realize that that couldn't continue indefinitely because then we would have infinite computing power in infinitely small space, and that just doesn't make sense. No, not at all. Um, and so Michio Kaku did this little uh, short video explaining uh, why we're already starting to approach the limits of current chip architecture uh, for silicon-based chips. Um, and he sort of explains the science behind that and why that limit is where it is a little bit, um, mentioning how the uncertainty principle at such small scales makes it impossible to actually make sure that your electrons are in the wire that you want them to be in or like traveling down the path that you want them to travel down. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to overheating when uh, chip architecture gets too small. Um, and he also explains a little bit about the technologies that are the current prospects to replace silicon-based chip architectures um, or current models, current chip architectures in general, not necessarily replace silicon-based because one of the candidates is three-dimensional silicon-based chips. So essentially just stacking them on top of each other, um, which I don't know a whole lot about that, but it sounds interesting. Yeah, those other those alternative methods uh, are pretty weird. Um, so, so one of those is. All right, hold on. See, it's because you used that dusty fan earlier today. Probably. Yep. It's too hot. Okay. Right. Replacement chip architectures for. Well, no. so the, the the common one, of course, and we went to a lecture about this. I don't know, a couple years ago, in fact was quantum computing. Well, not common, but people just say that. Well, it's not common, but that's the one I know of. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, better it, than DNA computing. Okay. Well, so, I mean, like, you knew about 3D chips, right? Like oh, that. yeah. I, I've known about that for years. Intel's doing that right now. That's not new. Well, but, like, more 3D. Hmm. Your, like, your Z-axis is getting bigger. Right. Well, And not only 3D transistors, but 3D processors. So like multiple layers of yeah i mean that makes sense it's a logical extension of what you'd be doing but right. that next step that alternative is a big jump and that's that's a whole architecture movement mm-hmm. well one of, one of the things that i heard about uh recently one of these candidates for replacement for silicon chips um is optical computing which i think is really cool being able to use lasers to transmit data not only at extremely high speeds which is cool for like data transfer um but also to use uh, light as a transistor is an interesting idea, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, what, what were some of the other options that he... Well, I know the, the molecular chip, or the I don't know how that works, um, so instead of having a you know a transistor you'd have a molecule do the uh you know modulate the current and you know do stuff mm-hmm. um, right so presumably there would be that there's also some mention of like protein based which would be molecular um so like probably some sort of enzyme that uh blocks current flow in one position and allows it another so same as a transistor just using a different yeah mode um and were there any other ones? Um, I don't Quantum. think so. Well, there has been some talk about uh, graphene. 
recently. See, I, see, I, I don't mention in this video. I, see, I don't know too much about graphene. Me neither. I mean, I know what it is. You should I know explain. That it has interesting properties. Well, so graphene is a form of solid carbon, which is one atom thick, and it's arrayed in sort of a crystalline lattice um, made up of hexagons, and that structure apparently allows for some interesting properties, especially as far as uh, superconductivity and interesting prospects as far as electronics application in commercial electronics. You know, it, se- uh, it seems like to me that, you know, you can do everything with carbon. You can make nanotubes with, you know, impossible to break steel. You can do right. fullerenes. You can do, you can do this graphene for computing. It's not this perfect solution. Yeah. yeah, no, carbon, carbon is amazing. We also are made of a lot of carbon. Um, but what is sort of disappointing, and I, I was surprised actually when I read this in show notes you posted about silicene, which is, or silicene, yeah, I suppose. That's, that's how I would have said silicine, it. Silicene, whatever. So it looks like silicene. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, silicene is a new material similar to graphene in that it is a one-dimensional lattice made out of silicon instead of carbon. Um, and the reason that this seems like a better option compared to graphene is not because it seems more, it's more powerful. In fact, there's very little evidence of its uh, superconductivity or any of its electronic properties. There have only been very small number of studies done, and very only and there's this is like the first accepted, confirmed case of a lab being able to produce a one atom thick layer of silicon. Um, and since it was on a layer of silver or a silver plate, um, it's there's some uh, interference from that, so they're they're gonna have to test the electronic properties on uh, mm-hmm. an insulating layer next. Um, but so it was grown re- on silver; they had to grow it. Well, it was condensed on a silver plate from silken vapor, so that's not really growing. Well, uh, but so so, anyways, the the article, this article that you post on the show notes, I, I read it and I was like. That seems weird that people think that this is the new star material because it is going to be more compatible with silicon-based electronic devices. Yeah, so but, I read that too, and I thought this was—I thought, I thought that kind of thing was just kind of ridiculous because, again, that represents an entire architectural change. There is no difference. Right. Yeah. So why? Uh, I mean, it's probably because they—you know—they needed to make it sound like you know it was revolutionary and a breakthrough. I suppose, but I—I I, there shouldn't be. Like if we're just gonna if we're gonna use like a new like single atom thick like new electronic properties well, like efficient whatever. Well, what you have to think about too is when our processors change for our computers, like on a, on a scale that's massive enough to you know actually be consumer wide. When that happens, it's not like we'll still have like memory cards either. You know, like memory chips, or when it's not like we're gonna even have mice you know just sitting around. At that point, other technology will be developed. In such a way that it's an entirely different kind of machine. It's not even going to be a computer like that we have now. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just that seems like a ridiculous assumption that. Oh, I agree. This silicene is going to be better because it's more compatible with what we have now. Well, I have I mean, to ask you: When was the last time you read New Scientist? What exactly? Oh, New Scientist. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah, what is it? It's that a magazine. It's a magazine, and uh, and you can see why you haven't read it lately. 
Uh, I, I went to the homepage. I like this. Number of risk, number of asteroids that pose risk doubled. And so you click on it. Number of asteroids that pose risk to Earth is doubled. There's like just twice as many asteroids now. Nobody knows what happened. Hey, hey so just so you know, that, that's exactly what they're doing with the Silicene story. Yep. Uh, so pretty much... They are sensationalizing things and talking about stuff. Well, I think that's I think that's only one of the few ways to get people to actually read about science. Yeah, but I don't like it because it's ridiculous. Well, speaking of things you don't like, I don't like pop scientists. He's not okay. Whatever. Uh huh. So will... I didn't like Michio Kaku making the little video about Moore's law because I don't know. I mean, I don't know personally anything about like his actual work. But when when I go on, like, you know, PBS, I see, oh, look, it's Michio Kaku talking about science. But it turns out, oh, look, science of superheroes. And it's like, really now? Is that okay? Not really. You know, and I understand that he's trying to make it accessible to people, but that's not how it should be made accessible. I thought he did a good job. I think I think what he does is pretty good. But anyways, being of things that we both don't like. <laughs> that's even better. This next story is ridiculous. Really? <laughs> so... Turns out that <laughs> Turns out. some some scientists just discovered that humans are still evolving. Are, and we, it was like, uh, are you sh- uh, are you sure? Because I think those scientists stopped evolving a couple years ago. So me and Ron agreed last night that this is ridiculous. Why would you assume that humans are no longer evolving? Well, that I mean, I mean, of course, I think one of the reasons somebody would assume this initially is that when you look at like. I mean, it's you, you don't look at plants and you say that they're evolving. You don't look at cats and you say that they're evolving. Well, well when I you look at a human, you don't say that, oh, look, the human's evolving. Um, because, of course, people see humans, you know, like a person, you know, is living, and then they see other humans going by. But since it's all in their own lifetime, you don't see, like, any change, and then you're dead and you can't, like, say, oh, well, look, the trend in humanity 200 years ago was like that, and now it's like this. So I think it's a it's a kind of problem of over perspective yeah i just i mean you don't right you don't look at a, a fish and say that fish is evolving but exactly. you know that fish are evolving well right over time large swaths right. of time and and well, i think short swaths of time i mean like there's been but, but you need you need but you need to have a big enough difference to know and to be able to tell and of course you have to actually be there at both times to know but and tell I mean, if you just think like why if you just think for a second, and you just think... Well, I can do it. I know how to do it. I know what limits are. I can do that. But most people don't know that. Right, which I don't like. I don't like people. Pop scientist. (sighs) Okay. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Enough enough of that rant. Don't we have another rant on here somewhere? I'm sure we'll rant about something. I don't know. Okay. Well, so... Oh, you put the asteroids doubled story in there. Very nice. We mentioned it. Uh, Why not? (laughs) So... I hate that. It's gotta be not a new letter okay anyway whatever so, um we had a story submitted this week well this past month <laughs> I, well you're ripping on your own show huh oh uh, whatever <laughs> um by a fellow podcaster here at the station so Matt. for those of you who don't know we record the universe every saturday night allegedly well, it is saturday right actually it is saturday right now yeah, well okay. same thing of. Um, yeah. Allegedly, we sort of 
were started on a weekly schedule, and it never happened on a weekly schedule. It, I think it, there may have been one time where we recorded one the week after the one before. That is correct. It, it happened exactly once, and so we, we've been on this bi-monthly schedule lately. For a while. Yeah, yeah, and now this is like the first time in three, four weeks or something. I think it's three weeks now. This is the first episode in three well, weeks. So summer has started. We'll, we'll start doing it now. This is the first weekend that I have not had something else to do. Right. And so it has begun. Yes. New era of the universe has begun. Wow. Uh, <laughs> show title? Um, we'll see. So this episode, this episode's, well, so Matt's story that he submitted <laughs> is about um, some star getting swallowed by a black hole. Yep. Uh, so apparently some astronomers uh, found some interesting data showing a well so sh- showing a black hole suddenly getting a lot brighter um and so they were actually looking for this because they had uh discovered a black hole uh sort of scooping i don't know how to describe it uh like gravitating mass star mass off right. of the star yeah I, I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know how you describe that. I don't think we've made a word for that yet. It is. I suppose it's swallowing. It's swallowing star mass. Ah, but that sounds like uh, you're making it personified. And we don't personified. Whatever. We don't personify black holes. We don't. We don't star do that. Mass is being absorbed. Yes, that's much better. Is gravitating off of the star and towards a black hole. I don't know. Now so, it just sounds like a starfish. Well, anyways, that happened, and so they were looking, watching black holes for another occurrence to like get some more data, and they did. And there's a nice little video on this website. It's not a real video; it's a yeah, like, that's a anime. mock-up. But there um, are there is some good imagery of um, UV and visible IR, and then of you know one year, and then the next year, you can see that it's it's much much brighter. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be so first. There's n- no matter around the black hole, and then the next year, there's a ton of matter around the black hole. Right, and so this is uh, this is a pretty rare event. Um, I mean, like well, it's, you, you know, it's, it's it's hard to you know see a black hole, so it's hard to you know find on find one in space to take pictures of. Well, I mean, yeah, we know where like quite a few are, and so, but the rarity of the event, they say, right. um, I think the estimate is like once every ten thousand years per galaxy. So that's, that's quite rare. So that's that's how frequently a star comes within range for that to happen. Uh, how how often that happens, just in general. I don't know. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Um. And so yeah, pretty cool little video and stuff. Interesting. Uh, it's interesting that I in astro in my astrophysics class we talked about um a similar situation where in a binary star system a smaller, more dense star can actually uh, trap stellar, or like, I don't know, like, word, word, like, scrape stellar, I don't know. Steel. I mean... Steals. I don't know. So it takes stellar mass from the other star, and it, like, gets sucked over and starts orbiting the new, like, smaller, more dense star. Yeah. I don't know how to word that. Um, And so it's, like, a similar situation where, but in this case, there's a black hole instead of, like, a, a white dwarf or whatever. Right. Um, I have seen that. Um, I've seen pictures of that actually, and I think the um, the 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 bigger or more dense star, I guess, um, it can actually I don't know prolong its life longer by stealing matter from the other one. Right. Yeah. No. It's it's a pretty cool um, idea. Like mm-hmm. you have two bodies that start to orbit each other, and then 
one absorb like steals mass from the other and it i love the the little video that they did actually on this website and the picture it's just it looks really cool mm-hmm. there's like there's a stream of like coronal mass probably like just from the outer layer of the star that's just like getting sucked off right well that's kind of like what they do in this little uh black hole video too yeah yeah that's what the that's the video i'm talking about okay um yeah so anyways if you're listening check it out it's in the show notes it's a fun video to watch it's only like 15 seconds or something yeah um, so you want to do the next story? Cause, uh, yeah, I don't. yeah. So we, we have NASA here in the United States and we're kind of just not doing too much right now with NASA because we're poor, but apparently in Europe, the European space agency is, uh, allegedly planning or uh, I don't know. They're just thinking about it right now, um, to do a launch in 2022 that would eventually get to Jupiter and it, it would be a probe for Jupiter. Well, let's see. It, it's the the probe's name would be called Juice for Jupiter Icy Moon Explorer. Juice. Right. I like I like the name. That's excellent. Have you noticed a trend where they make up the words to fit the acronym? I mean, that is not okay. Well, this one it looks like they had the words and then they just like grabbed a couple letters of it. Well, uh, just, but, I mean, really, I mean, it's cheating when well, you, you you can't find your own word for you. You'd had to use the first letter and the second letter. And the yeah. f- and the second letter, uh, the first and second letter of the second word too. Yeah, and then, and then you just sure. ignore moon. <laughs> oh uh, well. Um, so this would be a, a a big endeavor for Europe to do, I guess. Um, and I don't I don't know like how big this would be. Um, I mean, it seems just like like a satellite that would just take pictures. Um, in the Jupiter, uh, I don't know, spatial area. Well, so this is uh, like you said the. JUICE stands for the Jupiter Icy Moon Explorer. So this would be, uh, the primary goal would be to go explore the icy moons of Jupiter, being Ganymede, Callisto, and Europa, um, which I think is really cool because, well, the whole extraterrestrial life, blah, 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 like bacterial life right. in these underwater oceans is a possibility on these on these planets. Um, so, so one of I the think- things that this is going to be looking for is theoretical places where uh there could be life not they're not necessarily looking for life but they're looking for places where there could be life so they're examining these icy worlds which are all possibly have liquid layers underneath Mm -hmm. so you need four Uh, conditions for life allegedly to form you need an energy source you need water you need some kind of I don't know, nitrogen, carbon, hydrogen mixture, and then you also need stability. And for the most part, I don't know, Jupiter moons are pretty, pretty stable. Yeah. So, so I think, um, one of the, one of the, one of my favorite, like, local candidates for extraterrestrial bacterial life is Europa, Mm -hmm. uh, where, uh, the gravitational influence of Jupiter so is that the one? But so does Jupiter? Is Jupiter the planet that just bathes its moons with intense radiation? Um, is it? Well, I don't remember, but I know. Like I was thinking, maybe that kind of radiation would help a moon actually support life in some way because there's not a lot of light out there. So maybe they could, maybe some type of organism could end up using that type of radiation as perhaps an alternative energy source, just like in the <laughs> ocean. Creatures use heat from the, you know, ocean vents instead of actual light. Right. So, um, so I think, I don't know, I think the, the sort of 
radiation magnetosphere interaction effect that you're thinking of is uh, Saturn and Titan. Okay, so um, I remember I, I remember some moon having that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not positive about that. Um, but so what what I was thinking is so Jupiter like the the source of the heat uh, that generates these oceans underneath the surface ice. Um, I think in uh, Europa is a tidal influence from Jupiter. And so there would be heat uh, in the ocean for life forms or whatever, like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Like on Earth, there's underwater vents and stuff, and there's uh, archaeobacteria and things down there. Um, Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see where that goes. And I am sort of sad that it's going to be another 10 years. Well, so then that's even the worst of it. So uh, this is going to cost about $1.1 billion uh, over time, you know, for the you know the duration of the mission. Um, and they haven't, of course, this is still in planning stages. So the if it, if it does go through at, at the earliest, it should begin in 2014 if it does go through and if nothing else is, you know, put in the way of it. So, uh, and then when it does launch in 2022, it would take another eight years, I believe, to get to Jupiter, and then it would function until 2033 in ideal conditions. Yeah. Yeah. So, sort of ridiculous. Well, it's um, just, you know, it's just... Things happen so slow. Yeah. Sad. Very slow. <laughs> but, but yeah, that, that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, I, although the price tag doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Because like, that, that actually seems pretty reasonable, right? Well, like the J, the James Webb Space Telescope JWST that we're building right now is like I don't know seven billion dollars or something, right? Well, and one of the things is that uh, that one point. However, one of the things is that that one point one billion dollar price tag. Apparently, that that's include that's like cost of the mission over time, but that doesn't necessarily include the price of the individual components like the camera. And the propulsion system and other things that go onto the device, you know, onto the satellite before it's launched. So um, the individual com- countries in the EU have to contribute an instrument to the satellite, apparently. Okay. Yeah. So it actually costs a little bit more than that, but it's still a pretty reasonable price. Yeah. Okay. So I think we can move on to our next yep. thing, um, which is. Harvard and MIT teaming up to offer free online courses. So in the past, MIT, I know, has released OpenCourseWare, which is you know, a ton of videos and homework and exams and practice information of courses. And I've actually, I looked at a bunch of them, actually, and they're pretty good. Yeah, no, um, uh, I think uh, iTunes U yep. has a I- lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I know one of, one of my friends in the dorms uh, would listen to some MIT professor's lecture for his math and stuff. Um, he said they were really good. So uh, one of the things that this is going to be doing is, unlike OpenCourseWare, where it's all just based on your end, so you, you read the lecture or you listen to the lecture or read the notes from the lecture and you do all this stuff yourself, well, I think what this is going to be, this this project is called EDX, and it's not only going to be for you know, engineering courses in general, uh, but it's also going to be for humanities courses, which is something that uh, MIT OpenCourseWare didn't do so much of. And mm-hmm. um, another great thing about this 
is that instead of just being all on one person's end, so, you know, the school supplies all the stuff and then you have to do everything, this is actually going to allow for some relatively simple grading, too. So it, when you, if you do some of the homework yourself, you know, for the class, you won't get credit for it, but you'll have the practice of doing the homework and you'll be able to see what you've done right and what you've done wrong. And things for, like, essays and other things over time will be either done through crowdsourcing or through processing through software. Right. And so this all sort of came about after uh, last year, uh, a Stanford professor offered a free online uh, AI course, hmm. um, which had lectures and it had homeworks and it had quizzes and the final test. And it was such a big success with the, um, like integrated, like instant feedback on if you're getting things right or if you're getting things wrong and the community support people, um, like starting forums and stuff to give, like offer help and things like that. Um, that yet the company that is actually, uh, doing a lot of these, um, types of things, Cor- uh, Coursera. Yep. No, Udacity. I can't remember which one of these is it. I think Udac- it's, yeah, there's two so, of them. Right. So Udacity is uh, the, is separate. It's not affiliated, I don't think, with any, uh, university. Um, there's a, there's an article about it in Wired Magazine, I think. Um, and so that's, that's this professor that did the online AI course. So he's offering other courses, similar subject matter, um, that are just him and some other professors just deciding to share their knowledge for free, which I think is pretty awesome. So one of the Udacity courses is build a search engine, which is CS 101. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Which is awesome. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, that's really cool. We should do that. Maybe. It sounds like work. Um, so anyways, yeah, this is a, I think this is a good direction Definitely. for public education. So one of the things, though, that I think is interesting is earlier this year, and of course, you know, I do the tech news, I do At The Nexus, which is a tech show. Uh, one of the things earlier this year was Apple's big push towards, on or not necessarily online textbooks, but digital textbooks. And I think this is a much bigger improvement over a textbook because it's the full course and not just a book. Uh, one of the things that this does is it lets people actually grade you and tell you if you're wrong or if you're doing things right and help you, but it also gives you videos, it gives you actual examples, and it's not necessarily boring stuff. It's actual, you know, good lectures, good content from, you know, relatively prestigious universities. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It's, uh, this is, uh, impressive, really, that I, I didn't, this, the Harvard and MIT is news to me. I, I knew about the Udacity and Stanford doing it, mm-hmm. um, and a couple other universities, but Harvard and MIT is, that's a, that's a big step yep. in the right direction. Definitely. And it, your, your comparison, um, this to Apple's push for textbooks is, uh, I think, I, I don't know that this is really going to be a replacement for textbooks because, uh, well, so I, what Apple wanted to do with, um, the textbook thing is to remake yeah, I, the education well, market. I, I, and I think this is a better way to remake the education market than simply just offering cheaper textbooks. Well, so yeah, the, their whole thing with offering textbooks with additional content, some small interactive things, stuff right. like that. iPad essentially is what they did. Yeah. Uh, and that's not a bad direction for textbooks, but I don't think that they have to be one or the other. I think no, definitely not. But I think that's, this is more groundbreaking in a oh, educational definitely, sense. Definitely, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, for making, yeah, for making 
higher education more accessible to everyone. Right. Definitely a bigger step. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as textbooks go, I, I think that what Apple did wasn't bad. And it, it was just accurate. wasn't it was cheap sim- enough. Well, yeah, but it was it was in a similar direction as this. Right. It was taking, adding some sort of interactive things, sort of trying to modernize the format, mm-hmm. um, which is what this is doing, and and I think that's good. But I don't think that it's really gonna that this is gonna necessarily replace whatever is whatever the future of the textbook is, because I know that I still would feel disadvantaged if I didn't have a textbook to reference uh, through whether it be digital or physical. Right, right, of course. Well, and I'm sure even in these online classes, they would encourage you to either find a PDF of it or buy the textbook too, so. Right, yeah, yeah. or, I mean, a lot of, if it's like the cert, how to build the search engine and you're coding in, like, whatever language, Python, they would obviously you would want like the python docs and that would be your textbook well not i i mean i'm sure there's a book that would go along with how to build a search engine i'm sure there's a textbook for it no yeah no i i'm i'm not i'm saying that there would also be like there's not going to be right of course not not going to be a textbook for whatever you're doing you can always just like google it but it's also still nice to have like a real textbook right something that guides you through it yeah definitely um yeah Mm -hmm. so so I think there's a solar eclipse of some sort coming up soon. And by soon, I mean like today. And by today, I mean Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a partial solar eclipse, I think, this far north. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't remember where the actual event in the United I think it's like the lower western part of the United States. I think it ends somewhere in Texas. Uh, but they're calling it an, an annular solar eclipse. Right. So what um, this does is instead of covering the sun completely, it forms a ring uh, around the sun because the moon is just too far away to cover it properly. Right. And so the, what is the term for, I suppose it would be a total solar eclipse. Right. So, right. So this is, this is when the earth is in the umbra or certain areas of the earth are in the umbra of the moon's shadow. Um, and we will be in the penumbra, I believe. This far enough. Those are just terms for like the different shadowed areas behind the moon. Right. The mm-hmm. um, so I don't know when, how often these occur. Well, from what I understand is that the last time something as good as this actually happened in the United States was about 20 years ago. So the next total solar eclipse will be happening in five years, sometime in 2015, I think. But traditionally in the United States, we aren't treated to this too frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I one of my bucket list items is to go see a solar eclipse somewhere where I can where you can actually see the full solar Right, eclipse. definitely. And in fact, uh my old middle school teacher, uh David Putnam, was recently telling me about sausage and how he's going to go somewhere else, I think Kansas, to see the total solar eclipse sometime in a few years. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he's gonna drive down there. In his new Prius, I might add. <laughs> yeah i uh would like to go there's a i heard about a like some south american or like central american place where something crazy happens during an eclipse hmm. and uh, i don't remember what it is or where it is but i want to go there and watch a solar eclipse so well it might be possible hmm so, you want to talk about coffee? Um, yeah, a second.
Okay, so coffee, which I just drank a cup of, apparently makes you live longer. Well, that's good to know. Well, maybe. Yeah. You know, you know. I hear studies like this, you know, every year, every other year, maybe. Every coffee's, other week. Yeah. Coffee's bad for you. Coffee's great for you. Coffee's bad for kids. Coffee's bad for old people. Coffee's bad for cats. Um, I thought this was interesting. Uh, so here's what this article says. At first glance, things didn't look good for coffee because as people drank coffee, there appeared to be an elevated risk of death. But as the authors worked through the numbers, it became clear that having coffee was associated with also bad habits. Well, uh, it turns out that coffee drinkers were more likely to smoke cigarettes, consume more than three alcoholic beverages a day, and they also consumed a lot of red meat. Coffee drinkers were also inclined to have a lower level of education, uh, less likely to engage in a lot of physical activity, and also reported low levels of fruits, vegetables, and white meat. So these... um, Authors built a statistical model that could compensate for all of these factors, ran a series of tests to determine whether coffee intake had a significant effect on survival, and at some point, they said they were running so many tests that the differences would be expected by chance alone. So, I guess they ran a lot of tests for this. So it turns out that uh, as the coffee consumption increased, the survival rate went up so with two to three cups of coffee daily mortality rates had dropped by about 10 percent so that's pretty good yeah i'm gonna drink more coffee now so coffee is loaded with antioxidants which does a lot of good things it helps you repair cellular damage or i don't know somehow helps you with that i'm not a biology major and also uh it's just good to drink hmm yeah, I don't, I don't drink a lot of coffee these days. Yeah, well, when I had to go to class, I did, but you're right, not as much anymore. Well, in winter, I was, um, for my birthday, I got a really nice, um, you know, mug kind of thermos thing, and for two days, it worked great. Day number three, filled it up, was walking out the door, and suddenly, it just starts spewing coffee over the, cl- like, through the um, threads in the cap and it's just spewing everywhere while I'm walking up to the bus. And it's like, are you serious? So I'm walking up to the bus stop, um, to get on the city bus. And it's like, I can't take this on the bus. It's spewing everywhere. So I had it in a bush and get it back later that day. Nice. Yeah. Nobody, nobody took it. No, but if, if they did, they would have been spewed all over with hot coffee. <laughs> Needless to say, I got rid of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what else do you have? Well, looks like we've got a pair of shorts. Yes, I think I think we have some shorts. Yes. Oh no, it's a video that's gonna play as soon as I get on this page. Is it? Is it? Okay, it's not. Oh, it is. Ugh, hate that. So there's this woman who's just walking down the beach, I guess, and her kids gave her some rocks and she put them in her pocket because they look cool. And then she's walking along and suddenly her shorts are on fire. So before we start about before we talk about this article. Is the video playing about a woman eating rocks? I think it's about the story that's below it. Read read the subtitle on the video. Doesn't it say woman explains why she eats rocks? Well, not on my video. No, it says couple leaves beach catches on fire. No. Mine says woman explains why she eats rocks. Well, I think you're... It's re- like, it's a rocks. <laughs> no, that's not what my, uh, my ABC News subtitle is here. Rocks found on beach mysteriously catch fire in woman's pocket... And then below, George Stephanopoulos right now is 
couple leaves beach, catches on fire. Okay. So, anyways, apparently this was some phosphorus around the rocks, and by striking, they were like struck together in her pocket and then lit on fire and powder shorts on fire. Well, so what I thought was funny is, you know, talking about pop scientists, is somehow ABC News conned Dr. Michio Kaku into putting a blurb in for them. And uh, so let's see. Like, he says, it'll burn right through flesh, bone, and skin. I've never heard anything like this before. Dr. Michio Kaku, author of Physics of the Future, said. And it's like, really now? Never heard about this before. So uh, another person from a uh, San Diego State University said that the color orange on the rocks is not natural. It was definitely human-made. And some of the comments on this page refer to something as white phosphorus. It was used in some type of war. And it turns out there's a military base not too far away. Yeah. I mean, of course, they claim that they didn't have anything. Of course. Of course. Of course. I mean, they, they probably didn't. It could have been some, uh, like, natural phosphorus deposit. That... Yes. Or, you know, it could have been some just, you know, kids lighting fireworks off at the local beach. Yeah, something like that. Wouldn't know anything about that, would you? Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was such a bizarre story because I, I found it here and I didn't think... I I was reading The Onion earlier today and I didn't know that this wasn't on The Onion initially. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, well, I think... Let's see. Black holes, more black holes. I think we have one more black hole story and I think that's about it. Um... This is something you should talk about because I'm not smart enough. Um, interesting. But this is newly added to the show notes, so I didn't have a chance to read through it um, earlier. So, wow. Very interesting. Uh, so apparently, this the author of this article um, and some other science physicists have been exploring the theory that our universe is essentially just the inside of a black hole. Well, that sounds good already. Which is interesting but kind of ridiculous of course it is so so i guess the <clears throat> i mean like when you first think about it when i first like i I, re- I read that and so first thing i thought was well that sort of makes sense so you have uh, this would explain the big bang you have matter falling into a newly formed black hole yeah. uh and so inside the event horizon would essentially be the extent of our universe so it, it starts out tiny like the big bang Spans very quickly, absorbing the matter nearest to it very fast, and then the expansion slows down, as did our universe. Mm -hmm. Um, It, I don't, I mean, I couldn't really see how it, like, just before reading the article, I'm sure it explains it in the article, but before reading it, I wouldn't, it doesn't occur to me how, um, the, uh, expansion of the universe is explained by this. The, the current expansion. Right. I mean, I suppose we could be a black hole passing through a new cluster of matter or something that would just, I don't know. Or the sort of rate at which the universe expanded after the Big Bang and then slowed down really quickly is all it would also be, and it would be interesting to, to read this and see how they... So one of the things in the article is something called torsion. It's some type of other force. So, um, you know how, um, you know, you took your quantum mechanics class, right? Yeah. So, you know, spin on particles. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that when those particles are spinning, so to say, it makes a property called torsion. And so what the article says is imagine space time, not as a two dimensional canvas, but as a flexible one dimensional rod, uh, bending the rod corresponds to the curvature of space time. 
and twisting the rod corresponds to the space-time torsion. So if a rod is thin, you can bend it, but it's hard to see if it's twisted or not. Um, I don't know what this effect would do, um, but I guess what it might do is that in extreme environments, space-time torsion would manifest itself as a repulsive force that counters the attractive force of gravity coming from space-time curvature. So that could help. Th- that could make things expand, I guess. That's an interesting... Have you ever heard of the hyperinflation theory? Like, at small, like, extremely compressed... I don't know how compressed, but, you know, extremely compressed. Like, somehow gravity inverses itself, and instead of being, you know, attractive as it is, it becomes a repulsive force. And I've heard of one theory where gravity is what was responsible for the initial expansion of the Big Bang, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, well, there's a lot of theories out there, you know? There are indeed... But I like this, I like this theory. It sounds interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm gonna have to read read this article. Um, did did I ever mention the uh, string theory stuff that I was? I don't think to? so. Well, maybe that'll be for next show. We'll we'll talk about this article more once I have a chance to read it okay. and do a little research and talk about some similar things. And by then, maybe they'll have released more about it. You can yeah. find find more than just this article. Yeah. But I, I like the idea of universes starting in a black hole. It sounds like a, a logical step to go to. I, I think my favorite my favorite sort of theory is uh, the the big bounce. Yeah, where yeah I've, I've heard about universe, that one. Right, so it expands and then it gets to a point where it collapses again in on itself and then it expands again. Well, I mean, so that like that's like a, a big bang, and then, you know, sometime, a big crunch, then a big bang, yep. and then sometime, right. and a big crunch. Right. I also like, well, at the same time, though, I kind of like the multiverse theory, where... I'm not sure, I'm, I'm too versed in that one. Well, so every, the like, the quantum version of the multiverse theory, so every quantum uh, random thing that happens has uh, all the other things that could happen in that state. So, like, uh, if an electron passes through a barrier or it doesn't pass through a barrier, then in one universe it did, in one universe it didn't. And so, like, there's an infinite number of universes all branching out from each other. I don't so, know. so I'm, I, reading I, through, I'm reading through this article, and so, the motion of matter through a black hole's boundary called the event horizon would only happen in one direction, providing a direction of time that we perceive as moving forward. And that sounds totally logical. I, it's hard to understand the logic when you read it, but when I when I read it, or when when I hear you say it, but when I read it, I know what you mean. Like, I don't think you will because that's just one paragraph. Okay. Well, so I think the last thing that I want to say is I the analogy about the one dimensional, or sorry, not the one, the rod. Yeah. Um, is interesting because so if you think about a rod and you bend it, right? Okay, yes. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then when you twist it, two things are going to happen. Either it gets shorter or it gets narrower. Right. Because the path around the outside of the, or a path from one end to the other, which was before straight and which due to preservation of, or like conservation of matter would presumably be the same length as before is now wrapping around the outside of this rod. Mm-hmm. And so you would either have to have more matter or a shorter rod or a narrower rod. So that I'll have to see if they make any mention of that analogy again. Well, I, what I thought of was interesting about that analogy is that, it's, I mean, it's hard to... Most people, when they think about space-time curvature, they, you know, do that two-dimensional canvas kind of thing. You, you know, you put a big ball in a sheet and then you put a little marble and it just falls towards the ball. 
Mm-hmm. Well, but when you think about it in you know in three dimensions, it's not really like that. You know, it's you, there's no three dimensional equivalent of that like that you can just well, replicate. I sort of I think I sort of think of it as a, like a, a three dimensional vector space. Well, I mean, that's what I think of it as. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, I, but, I don't know. But it's hard to get from that three dimensional kind of vector space and then somehow convert it to two dimensional and then skip that and call it one dimensional rod. So I don't know how the torsion effect actually is like relevant in a three dimensional space. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to read. Yeah. We'll we'll continue this discussion. Mm-hmm. And finally we have some Avenger cats. I think yes. you saw the Avengers the other day, right? I've seen the Avengers twice already actually. Man, you're a freak. Well, Good. Well, that's good. So I, I found a picture of some cats as I believe to be what the Avengers are. So there's Captain um, Mjowerka, there's Iron Mew, there's Cat Hulk, there's Thor, the God of Thunder Purr, uh, there's Black Cat, Cat Eye, Low Kitty, and Nick Fury, or Nick Furry actually, Agent Phil Pawson, and they've mm-hmm. got their tails wagging. Yeah, it's a very cute little picture. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. It's pretty good. So what are your uh, what are your plans for uh, next week, Sam? Well, I just made a new plan. New plan. I'm going to find a copy, be it like a digital scanned copy from Google Books, which was probably what it will end up being because I don't know where else I'll get it, of uh, Tycho Brahe's like, astronomical observations because that would be awesome. Anyways, um, plans, real plans for next week. As opposed to fake plans. Well, th- this is a real plan, but... I mean, sort of ridiculous. I mean, is that is that going to be before or after you do all that other reading? Well, I'm, I mean, just to have it. I don't know if I'll okay. read it right. Right, right, okay. Um, he did a lot of, made a lot of observations. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, next this next week I will get my shipment from Amazon, probably finish reading the book I'm reading right now, um, and then read Retribution Falls for our book review. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, and maybe solidify plans with Matt to do some sort of D&D thing. Yeah, that would be good, too. Um, and play some video games. Uh, you know, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Hang out. Maybe contribute to the redesign of the Nexus, hopefully, if I can. Oh, that's always good. I think we need a logo. Yeah, well. So, uh, so uh, where can we find you on the uh, internet? Well, you can find me uh, in the Twitter sphere. Um, the lower planes. No, sorry, D and D reference. Never mind. Uh, so Sam Ebert on Twitter. Uh, that's. Pr- I mean, like, I don't do anything else these days. You need I to mean, do. You need to do rep- some other stuff. I mean, I would say Facebook. But my Facebook profile is private. So. Yeah, don't worry about it. Oh, Twitter, like the Nexus TV. Yeah, you, can, of, yeah. you should. You should let me post on there so that I can post things. Um, I mean, it, just I or have, I suppose just make the universe. Uh, or, or you could, I don't know, make your own blog. Well. Speaking of which, we should have a blog for the Nexus that, like, and, like, can do, like, show, like, brief show updates or, like, links that didn't make it into the show. Oh, actually, we do have that. It's blog.the-nexus.tv. And if you do want access to that, I can give you access to that. Yeah, I might be able to put a couple things on there. So, it, where is, is there any way to get to this? Not publicly yet. But okay. in the new, in the redesign, there will be. I like it. I'm glad. Um, I like the, the skin, whatever theme. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't make it. I'm not that good. Well, I know because I used to have that on my. Oh well, convenient. Thing. Yeah. 
And of course, uh, you can find me, Ryan Rampersad, just about anywhere. You can find me here at the Nexus. Uh, this is the universe. And uh, you can listen to this show, not live yet, but you can actually listen to the show once it's published, approximately every Saturday. Uh, it's summertime now, so we should actually get it done. And uh, yeah, this is the show where we talk about science, science fiction, high fantasy, and coffee, because it makes yep. you live longer. Indeed. Yeah, it's been a good show, Sam. It has. Yeah, have a good one. Yeah, see you next week.